Georgia's DBHDD is urging people to store and lock away all medications to prevent theft and keep them away from children and pets. Old medications can be disposed at Dropbox locations. Dropbox locations can be found at opioidresponse.info. Welcome to Speakeasy with Deneen, a podcast from Georgia Public Broadcasting. I'm your host, Deneen Milner. Each episode of Speakeasy trains a spotlight on a single word and then deep dives into the many ways it shows up in the African-American community. On this episode, the word is flower. Raising children is a lot like tending a garden. Good soil, water, and sunshine are necessary to grow healthy plants, just like strong values, love, and discipline are necessary to grow healthy children. I'm giving you a peek into my experience as a mom during a defining moment of my oldest daughter's life. I'm also introducing you to two artists whose unique masterpieces bloom right off the canvas. And actress and songstress Vanessa Williams' baby, Jillian Hervey, is telling us how she's blossomed as her own woman and now leads the band Lion Babe. But first, a reminiscent moment from when my daughters were just little girls. Not long ago, I was looking through old videos of my daughters. I came across this one from 2009 of Mari, then 10, and Lila, then 7, riding a swing set. They have these giant smiles on their faces. I swear they look like little black angels. Fast forward a decade, and my girls are now young women. My oldest, Mari, is a student at Yale University. In one of our previous episodes called Black, she talked about how she came to terms with her blackness. For Mari, part of that journey involved her hair. Mari used to have beautiful dreadlocks, which I call locks because, you know what? Ain't nothing dreadful about them. But she felt differently. I didn't like how they looked, and none of my friends my age had dreads. It was really only my family members who had them, so it was kind of like, I don't know, I just felt super different, and I, back then I really did not, I didn't appreciate it. Mari asked me if she could lose her locks, and my gentle no did not go over well. Rather than let her fall victim to trying to be like everyone else, I wiped her tears and held her in my arms, and we made a plan for how she could look more like how she wanted to look. We Google pictures and watch YouTube videos for cute looks she could pull off on her own. People like Serena Williams, Lauren Hill, and Erica Badu also made her appreciate her own special brand of beauty. She'd go back and forth on whether to get rid of her locks or lengthen them with extensions, but I insisted she loved the hair growing out of her head because it's beautiful, unique, hers. We also went through her clothes, finding a style that represented her. By the time she got to college, Mari realized that representing blackness had nothing to do with other people. Blackness is is truly just like its own entity of like creativity and beauty and intelligence and just like a mix of all kinds of beautiful cultures and identities that like I had never even been exposed to for a good portion of my life. 
Of course, as her mother, I have to throw a side eye at that because from the womb, I've been bleeding blackness into that little girl. But I get that you have to leave the house to put what you've learned into practice. I was no different. When I was 15 and worrying about what the popular girls looked like and who the boys found attractive, my mother didn't have any time for my whining. She didn't play that game. Focus on what is important, she'd tell me. Get into a good school, get a job, and be able to take care of yourself as a woman in the world. Looking back, I see what she was trying to do. She wanted to protect me from the dangers that can come from unchecked male attention. So I hid myself under baggy clothes and a bare face and sensible shoes, insisting that being pretty wasn't important at all. And I was deeply uncomfortable with myself. It wasn't until I was 40 that I figured out that wearing makeup, cute outfits, and adorable hairstyles is not about impressing or competing with anyone else. It's about loving me. When it came to helping my daughters blossom, I would just as soon chop off my hands and sever my own tongue than let either of them feel the way I did all those years. I made a point to find the balance between respectability and self-love, knowing that feeling beautiful on the outside would for sure help them get to the deeper business of being beautiful inside. Today on Speakeasy with Deneen, we go to the roots of what makes a flower blossom. Just as a flower grows in soil, a painting grows through the love and care of its creator. I love art. In fact, when I got my first big check for my first book, the very first thing I bought was a piece of art by the late, great Bunch Washington, mentor to the iconic Romare Bearden. To this day, whenever I get a big check, the first thing I buy is art. On my walls are works by so many other great black artists like Elizabeth Catlett and Fabiola Jean-Louis, and my latest obsession, Mariam Moma. She is a master of collages, working with different types of paper and fabrics to reveal silhouettes and blossoming flowers. When you see my work, there's a discipline about it. There is the cleanliness of the lines, the precision of the cutting that comes directly from my practicing architecture. Um, the, the balancing of the color and the hue and the tones. Um, I might use certain textures or fabrics comes from my love of fashion. And you can see that translated very clearly in my work. Mariam talks about her work as if it's a formula and an equation. Makes sense since she studied architecture in college. Five years later, I graduate, and I'm like, okay, um, you have an architecture degree. Do you, did you, how do you feel about this? I'm like, I just want to create. I don't know if I want all the physics and the math and differential equations that come with that. Mariam's work goes deeper than any equation. It's a process of discovery. She grounded herself in that process in 2019. Um, first of all, I'd just like to say that that was definitely the planting. The planting was a month-long residency in the studio of veteran artist Tracy Murrell. Tracy's artwork has been exhibited at Atlanta's Hartsfield-Jackson International Airport and at the Atlanta-based National Black Arts Festival. We'll hear from Tracy in a little bit, but first, Mariam tells us more about her growth in Tracy's studio, where I met with the two artists. I would come in here and I would work. 
I would work until the wee hours of the morning. I had these two Tracy uh, pieces. I call them my angels. They just washed over me. Mm-hmm. And I would work and work. And I, I, I mean, naturally, yes, my body would be tired, but my mind would keep going. And I'm like, I'm just going to work until I'm, you know, ready to close my eyes. <laughs> Literally. And what Miriam grew was simply beautiful. Um, There's one specific piece that I designed while I was here during the migration residency called Her Inner Guide. And it is um, of a black woman smiling um, with all these um, florals like sprouting out of her. But within the image, there's another silhouette of of a different female energy that's clearly identifiable as a female figure that's her in a guide. Um, Tracy definitely has been that guide for me. Being in this space, just soaking in the feminine positive energy definitely was translated into my work. Meanwhile, 4,000 miles away, Tracy was in Morocco on a residency of her own, documenting that country's migrant crisis. Okay, we walked up the trail to the mosque to watch sunset on our last night. And I'm out of shape. During her trip, Tracy captured incredible sunsets that looked like paintings. She'd shared with us footage from her journey. In another scene, she is in a home as villagers chant a prayer. As part of the artist's residency, Tracy met migrants in Morocco who fled violence in Cameroon. It was the most eye-opening experience I've ever had. The isolation, the being invisible, um, that you think you're going to be there for just maybe a couple of weeks, but you've been there for nine years and your children are in school. Um, I cried. I I spent more time crying processing this experience than I, I ever imagined that I would. And the task ahead? Create art that speaks truth. How do I tell a story in a painting? That is what is my quest. You know, from the residency, it is, uh, how do I tell the story of the migrants that I still communicate with that elevates them, um, gives honor to their life so that they're not, they're, they're so invisible in, in Morocco. Yeah. And so Tracy has taken what she saw in Morocco and poured it into her artwork. Blue tape is my best friend, (laughs) and green tape, and yellow. (laughs) In her studio, Mariam and I watch as Tracy takes off a protective tape from a canvas. This has two resin pours on it, and to protect the sides, I put on the blue tape. So now it's the fun part of getting the blue tape off. Unveiling a piece is always fun. This is one of the works born out of Tracy's trip to Morocco. It's on here, boy. On the canvas, we see an endless ocean with the bright sun beaming above. In the glistening water are three black bodies sinking below the surface. Two look like they've fallen in, while the other one looks like he may have jumped. Tracy plans to add the outline of a white ship on the water. 
She says this piece, which is called Beneath, explores the Middle Passage slave trade. It's part of a larger exhibition marking 400 years since the arrival of the first captive Africans in North America. I can never forget that we came from another country. We were sold into bondage and we have been struggling ever since to be recognized not only as human beings, but as equal citizens. And so many of our forefathers are, um, never got the opportunity to even make it here. In the studio, we turn our attention to a work by Mariam that shows what appears to be a woman in a dress dancing. She kind of looked like a ballerina from Alvin Ailey's seminal work, Revelations. If you look closer, there are beautiful flowers and leaves above the torso. Look even closer, and you see Mariam includes fabric in the work. It's stunning. So that piece is called Transparency, and that was, um, I, I, just, I created that piece um, just celebrating open connection and communication, and being so transparent that you really have nothing to hide. I'm not meeting your representative mm -hmm. or you mine, mm -hmm. and we're really connecting at a very uh, basic level, and we're able to build a bond because we're so honest and so direct. Right. Is that lavender I see in there? It is lavender. Yeah. Guess who gave me this lavender? Let me tell you the story of the lavender. For the, so for the last, I want to say year uh -huh. and a half, um, I was introduced to this beautiful lady. And she was like, well, I love your pieces. She ended up purchasing three pieces that night. Mm -hmm. And before I left, she gifted me with this bunch of lavender, this fresh lavender. Okay. And I was like, oh my, she was like, I, I, I haven't, really figured out what I want to do with this, but I think mm -hmm. you make good use of it. And she mm -hmm. gave it to me. Mm -hmm. And it was Deneen. <laughs> <laughs> and since then, I want to say, I must have sold, uh, created and sold at least 30 pieces with this lavender. With the lavender. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. good use for the lavender, the yes. fresh lavender. Yes, <laughs> So Beautiful. I forget. So you I, collaborated on her work. Post. You know, it didn't even know it. even know it. I was like, here, I just bought this. It smells so good. I bought two bunches. You can have one. <sighs> that makes me feel good. <laughs> <laughs> but I am only a small seed in Miriam's creative world. The influence Tracy and Miriam have on each other's work is indescribable. When they finish a piece, they'll ultimately sell it. I asked if that's ever painful, giving up something you poured your heart and soul into. Tracy weighs in first. For me, I am creating work for someone else, and it's just my job to find who's the, who's the real owner of the work. And I've been very fortunate. Everyone who buys the piece, they see things that I've never seen, and I know, okay, this is the, I created this piece for you. I think it, it, I, I second that for sure. Um, in addition, I think that we as artists have a responsibility to share our gift with the world. Um, there's a growing when it leaves our hands into the collector's hands or in a new space because it, 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 uh, it stimulates conversation, it uh, propagates people to think about things differently. So the growth continues for sure. My thanks to Mariam Moma and Tracy Murrell for their time. You can see more of their work on our website. This is Speakeasy with Deneen, a production of Georgia Public Broadcasting.
talked on this episode about what it takes to blossom like a flower. For a flower to grow, it needs the right kind of soil, sunlight, and water. Let's end our show with music from someone whose roots are in a family famous for entertaining, but who's grown in her own light as a stunning singer. That's the song Hit the Ceiling by singer and songwriter Jillian Hervey. Her mom is the legendary singer and actress Vanessa Williams, who was the first African-American crowned Miss America. Jillian is from the New York-based group Lion Babe. Performing is in her blood. From a young age, she was exposed to the family industry, and she fell in love with music and dance, but was resistant to being compared to her mom. Originally, as a child, I definitely wanted to create my own path, and dance was really my first love and passion, and that already was something that I knew my mom did, but she did it not as intensely, like it's not, it wasn't her main practice, so in my eyes, that was a lane already that was separate from her. Um, I still think I have a resistance to show business, the business end of things, because I think it taints the creativity sometimes, but I understood that just where I come from, what I've been surrounded by, and you know, I've seen my family members um, close and distant navigate the creative industry in all the different ways. There's people that are makeup artists in my family and producers and uh, music teachers. So I felt that I think I had a lot of ground to cover and learn from in that way. And, and I knew that I would be supported in the arts. So I think I just gravitated towards it because it was really around me. And I knew that I, I wasn't going to be forced into being, um, you know, a shadow or a another version of my mom or being compared to her. I think those those pressures were self-inflicted. But when I actually did start to share my music and just explain that this was something I wanted to do, you know, my parents were super supportive of it. Jillian says she started finding her voice after meeting Lion Bay producer Lucas Goodman. When I first met Lucas, I was just kind of like shy to sing in front of him. The The fear was because, you know, these were my own ideas and they were like going to be my own words and my own melodies. I think that that whole aspect of it is the thing that originally would be, you know, the, the shyness because it was just the judgment immediately <laughs> creeping in my head being like, that doesn't, no one's going to like that or whatever. The shyness eventually melted and what blossomed was Jillian Hervey and her group Lion Babe. One of the most striking things about watching Jillian perform is her naturally thick and curly hair. It literally looks like a lion's mane. She talked with me about her music and began by sharing how her hair translates the beauty of her art. My hair is a extension of my artistry and how I express my blackness, my womanhood, and my imagination. 
say that the actual hair, the birth of this whole thing, really stemmed off of Treat Me Like Fire. made that song, we had the name. Um, I don't think we were really even thinking about our imaging or any of branding or any of that. We just were thinking about, okay, we have one song, we should probably make a music video for it. I had had some ideas about what I wanted the look to be. Hey, that's just how it is, but I gotta My family's always called me a wild child and I always wanted my hair to be big and crazy. For a time, it did it did become, for me, just a frustration because I felt that it was, I'm like, I'm more than my hair. I want people to listen to the music. And um, for me now, just so much fun to just, it's my identity, like it's me just exploring me as a black woman and I think also for shows and for visuals I love to create magic and do things that are kind of not of this world or push the limits a little bit. The song Honeydew is about protecting your sweetness and um, growing. You know, I just kind of always with writing try to match lyrically with, with what I'm kind of hearing sonically. It just made me think about um, time and uh, love and also just being pulled in a lot of different directions. Like, you know, you have to always protect your sweetness, you know, or else it will, you'll give it away. It wasn't me, couldn't be. No, you can't believe that. It wasn't me, it wasn't me. I couldn't be, I would never see that. Rockets is about being lit and feeling good and having a good time and having a party. This guy Mo Mokes, who's on the record, um, had this song and it wasn't done. It was just kind of like, it had the, we lit, we lit, and like had his verse and it was just kind of like an idea. And Lucas is like, oh my God, this is fire. Like this is, this is, this is the one. Like we got to make something happen. Um, and Mo was 
you know, also game. And I think he was just like, oh, it would sound so cool. And got me feeling high. I'm a spaceship I had never really sang um, just a verse like that. It was just kind of like super playful and I just kind of riffed off of real, really what I was hearing Mo doing. It's awesome. I mean, it's just, it's been such a great song for us and people love it like everywhere. And um, I always, I think I'm just like a, you know, I feel a lot, I'm sensitive, all that stuff. So for me, sometimes I, I always fight like the, the really easy songs, the ones that are just like, oh, come on, just say we lit. Like, it's just so easy to say and everyone's gonna be happy you said it and everyone's gonna be lit, just do it. <laughs> and I always fight my, like, oh, I ha it has to be this way, that way. But this was just, I loved the kind of bossa nova nature of it. I'm a spaceship, a rocket. To the sky. I just love that it had a, it all also still felt soulful and jazzy to me. It's fun to play and challenge yourself to like, okay, you can still like give them something that like really knocks and you can turn up to, but do it also in your own way. And so I feel like Rockets is, is a great like bridge for people if they've never heard us to kind of come into our world because it's it's very digestible and really fun but um you know it also gives you a little bit of like oh they're still kind of like vibey it's still a little left of center that was the enchanting jillian hervey of the band line babe you can find more of her music on our website and we want to hear from you. Tell us about a person in your life who has grown or helped you grow like a flower. You can reach us at speakeasywithdeneen.com. I'm Deneen Milner, and this is Speakeasy with Deneen. This episode was produced by Sean Powers. Keosha Howard is our editor. Our theme music is by M. Fassall. We heard additional music from Blue Dot Sessions. Speakeasy with Deneen is a production of Georgia Public Broadcasting. You can subscribe to us for free at gpb.org forward slash podcasts and anywhere you get your podcasts. And until the next time on Speakeasy, be easy. <laughs>